Hi, this is Derek from Atlanta. Unlike Bob, I am a former law enforcement officer, but I still enjoy listening to a practical show by a practical guy. You're listening to the Handgun World Podcast. Hi folks, Bob Main here with another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. This is a practical show done by a practical guy that is me. Most of you guys know I am not some kind of a gun industry expert. Uh, I don't claim to be some fancy expert operator out there or even a, a gun writer or anything like that. Just an everyday dude that takes my Second Amendment rights very, very seriously. And uh, for over 10 years now, I've been podcasting and talking about my journey in the concealed carry and uh, competition shooting world and sharing it with you to the best of my ability. So here we go. This is episode number 493, release date, December 15th, 2019. So Merry Christmas, everybody. The Christmas season is definitely upon us. As a matter of fact, I can't believe it's it's coming up in 10 days from the date of this recording. Amazing. And, and the year is coming to an end. Speaking of that, this is going to be the last episode for 2019. So the next time I talk to you is going to be January 1, 2020. And uh, I've got some good stuff planned for 2020. So I think you're going to enjoy that show. And uh, I think there's there, there's some I've got some big goals that I want to talk about that I think that you will will find quite interesting. And I'm going to do kind of a special to see if I can hear about some of your goals for the new year as well, be it shooting or even be it some other kind of uh, topic that you want to discuss. Please remember that this show is sponsored by Concealment Solutions. They've been a sponsor of mine for a long time. I use their products, use their holsters. They're great. It's great stuff. The belts are good too. Concealmentsolutions.com. Right now, I got an outside the waistband, very concealable rig on right now by Concealment Solutions. Check them out. Concealmentsolutions.com. 10% off for all Handgun World podcast listeners. All you got to do is use the coupon code Handgun World to get a 10% discount. It's one word. Handgun World. That gets you a 10% discount. And I'm going to be ordering a holster for a uh, SIG P365 pretty soon. Because as you will find out in this interview, I got one of those. I also got the newest Glock Gen 5. Glock 19 Gen 5. With the front serrations and no front strap cutout. Yes, that that's w- what I wanted. And I'm really glad that the Glock came out finally with a new Gen 5 G19 without that stupid front cutout. For me, it just tore up, sliced up my pinky when I was shooting that gun. There's no reason for that cutout on those guns. That's just, I mean, the reason that Glock states is 
is not a good one in my in my opinion because most people want to use a different method to rip out the magazine if they have a malfunction. So I got one of the new ones and it's got front slide serrations which yeah, they look cool. I don't really manipulate the gun with with front serrations very much but it makes the gun look a little better and that's important right? As the old, as the old saying goes in the shooting world uh, looking cool is also important. <laughs> so not that Glocks are good looking. Of course they're not. Glocks are definitely not good looking. But at least the front serrations sharpens up the look a little bit. So for this episode, Dr. John Adeen joined me. We had a great discussion about a lot of really good topics. The, the tragic incident at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola. We talked about that. We talked about the SIG P365 and the uh, 365XL that he has. We also talked about some uh, very draconian gun legislation being passed in the state of Massachusetts. And we talked about gun-free zones and many topics like that. So I think you're going to enjoy this interview coming up here right now with Dr. John Dean. Oh, well, my special guest for this episode is back again, many times, been on this show, Dr. John Adeen. Welcome back, John. Hey, thanks, Bob. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's always nice to have you on the show. You always have a lot of good things to say. You always have a good perspective on a lot of things going out there, and uh, I know this is going to be no exception. Yeah, and it's nice to have Thanksgiving uh, with you and your family at Ben's. And Thank you. That was fun. We had it was a very nice nice uh, afternoon. It was yes. We all got together and uh, it was a lot of it was a good Thanksgiving and uh, Christmas is coming up. And in fact, uh, I promised when we were at Thanksgiving dinner that I would do this interview and I would make you the uh, pretty much my last episode of the year, which is going to air right before Christmas on the fifteenth, ten days before Christmas. So Merry Christmas, John. Well, Merry Christmas to you too, Bob. So let's talk. Um, I think we can skip the introduction. Most people out there know who Dr. John Adeen is. And uh, and if not, look him up. But uh, do talk a little bit, John, about Doctors um, for Responsible Gun Ownership. Talk, Just talk a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah, we're, we're a Second Amendment Foundation organization. We're, we're kind of in the same boat as JPFO. So we, we fall under the Second Amendment Foundation umbrella, but we were originally independent. Uh, we were started in 1994 by Dr. Timothy Wheeler, um, and uh, you know he's he's been a very active person. He's since retired from from the two-way scene, and uh, his place has been taken by four of us. Uh, I'm the m- membership director. Uh, there's Arthur Prespinda, who's the project director, and then uh, Robert Young uh, is our editor and kind of does the blog and the and the uh, Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. And then Sean Brodale is our outreach director, and he's in, in Iowa. Good. And anybody can find out about this at drgo.us, right? Right. And uh, you know, and you don't have to be a doctor to be a member of DRGO, uh, but we are looking for people who can, you know, who want to write. Um, we have, uh, you know, people in all different specialty areas: nursing, EMTs. You know, it's not just doctors, you know, it's, and if you are like a, you know, 
chiropractor or a dentist or something. You're a doctor. And so, you know, that's, that's okay too. But you don't even have to be a doctor. We even have some attorneys uh, as members of Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership. Yeah, and there's also a website, 2adoc.com, right? Right, yeah. That's our referral service. And what we do is okay. we connect patients to two-way friendly doctors. Uh, and and it's, a, it's, it's not a searchable website, but we hook you up. And we will send you an email if we have somebody in that specialty area that you're looking for uh, in your you know, geographic uh, area. And I just asked you that recent question for a specific purpose, and that is to lead us into our first topic. So since we're talking about the subject of Second Amendment friendly doctors, let's talk about the un-Second un Amendment friendly doctors or the Second Amendment unfriendly doctors in Massachusetts. Let's talk about that. Right. Yeah. Recently, there was a bill introduced uh, into the uh, state legislature, and basically what it does is it requires all physicians to uh, screen for uh, firearms ownership. And if you quote-unquote screen positive for firearms ownership, like it's a disease, okay, then you, then you have to have counseling. And, oh, uh, my goodness. I know. And, and, and fortunately, the, the guys uh, up in Massachusetts from uh, Gun Owners Action League are on top of this thing. Uh, and I can't remember his name, but I heard him on Cam Edwards uh, was it yesterday, I think, uh, talking about this. And, and he's, he's pretty much uh, has been talking to the, not only the, the uh, legislators, but also a lot of the doctors that have been involved in this thing. And, and they don't even know what they're going to do with this thing. You know? And the other thing is, you know, who among most of these doctors are is even qualified to counsel somebody regarding firearms ownership most of them have never touched a gun and don't know what a gun does or you know they don't know about the four safety rules right that, that, that's kind of like you know um you know uh, every town for gun safety i've yet to see the gun safety class that they offer you know you know don't. that's an interesting point <laughs> what gun safety class do they teach <laughs> they don't. It's just. It's just. Uh, you know, they they got their uh, their little uh, you know, groups of the and they poll to find find out which sounds the best. Yeah. You know, it's it's these focus groups, and so gun safety sounded like the best way to uh, instead of gun control because gun control was getting a negative connotations so right now right now now it's gun safety. Gun well, gun safety sells better. Hey, I'm a salesperson, so right, you know. Right. I like to choose words that sell better. So I guess gun safety sells better than gun control, of course. That's why they do that. Right. So so I wonder what kind of a disease that these doctors think that these gun owners have. I mean, you know, give me a break. So you brought up a good point, John. What makes them qualified, first of all, to even make the determination that this person needs counseling for what? You know, that's Well, see, the thing is there's no determination everybody who screens positive and the other thing is it doesn't say you know well primary care doctors no it's all doctors so if you live in massachusetts and this thing passes which it probably will okay sure because it's massachusetts that means every time you see a patient you have to you have to screen for gun ownership so gun ownership now is a disease it's not a it's not a, a constitutionally protected right now it's a public health issue and that's the other thing is, you know, the, the public health, uh, we all know what they've done o over the last, you know, 30 years 
uh, you know, they, they were defunded. You know, the CDC was defunded because the yes. public health people were, were basically putting out propaganda. They were not they were they called it research, but it was actually propaganda. And uh, fortunately, uh, people like uh, Dr. Wheeler and also like Dr. Miguel Faria, mm-hmm. who's a, another guy that is very interesting that you need to get on your show, by the way. OK, uh, who just wrote a, a very good book. It's called uh, uh, see America, Guns and Freedom, I think it is. OK. Um, and uh, he's. He was one of the guys that testified in front of Congress and got the CDC defunded. Um, and he's, he's just a really good guy. He's been at it for a long time, and uh, he's a, v- a wealth of knowledge. He's also a Cuban refugee. He actually he, he and his family escaped wow. from Cuba. They were there during the revolution. In fact, they had their guns confiscated by, uh, you know, by the, the Cuban uh, revolutionary soldiers. In fact, they were probably part of the revolution, but then they got turned on them, you know. Well, you know, it as the old saying goes, gun control is not about guns, it's about control. Oh, absolutely. And okay, so the doctors have to screen. So just exactly how do they do that? Well, they ask you, do you own a gun? If you if you screen positive for a gun, then they, then the next step is to get you counseling. But there's nothing to pre- prevent the patient from just lying and say, "No, I don't have a gun." Well, there you go. That's okay. So really, I mean, as, as, as ridiculous as this sounds, I'm just encouraging everybody up in Massachusetts, uh, if your doctor asks you the question, the answer to the question is no, I don't own it. That's right. I, I don't own a gun. That's my answer. Yeah. <laughs> I own several, but that's okay. Yeah, right. I don't own a gun. Yeah. But, uh, but you know, this is, this is the problem. You see, now what you're doing is you're, you're putting the, the, um, physician-patient relationship at risk because now you can't be honest with your physician. You have to consider everything you say, you know, whenever you're talking to your doctor because now is this thing going to be used against you? Is Are they going to, you know, are they going to, you know, put you on another list? You know, unfortunately yeah. in Massachusetts, they already have a pretty significant registry. You know, you have to get a you have to get a permit just to to take your gun to the to the range and shoot it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, I, I I used to live in Massachusetts actually uh, before I did my um, pedi- Well, I lived it, did it when I was doing my pediatric orthopedic no. training. I'm sorry. Yeah, I know. So I lived there for a few years. So I actually had to deal with it. But the laws changed since then. They have it's more complicated now than even it was then. But even then, you had to get a permit to take your gun to the range from the from the uh, the chief of police. Yeah, that's so, so ridiculous. My goodness. I mean, yeah. next thing you know, they're going to be re- requiring a permit to clean your gun, you know? Yeah. I mean, give me a break. So, okay, so let's say I live in Massachusetts, and I'll give an example. I Today I went to see my podiatrist here in San Antonio for an issue with my feet. So even if I go to my podiatrist and I live, I live in Massachusetts, he has to screen me for gun ownership? Yeah, that's what it says. Uh, so I don't know about podiatrists whether they fall in the same thing, but I would suspect that they would they would probably want to get all healthcare professionals to do the screening. Yeah. So every, every time you go, you know, to to see a healthcare pro- professional, you're gonna they're gonna have to screen you for gun ownership. And this is absolutely nothing but a move to just try to find out who owns guns in their state. That's all they want to do. And, and also to stigmatize gun ownership. Yep. Stigmatize it and make a record of it. Right. And, uh, you know, so this is just one more um, infringement. 
Hmm. What an interesting choice of words. Yes. On, on people's rights, you know, to uh, keep and bear arms. Well, yeah. Aren't there three words in the Constitution that says "shall not be infringed"? Yeah, well, I understand that, but <laughs> but uh, you know, you know what? The people of Massachusetts, especially those in the legislature, um, you know, they they still look at the Second Amendment as as a second class right. In fact, they really look at it as a privilege, right? Because because God knows, you know, guns are dangerous, um, but you know what? The pen and and the word have killed more people than guns ever have. And so have fists, and so have probably knives, uh, and somebody that knows how to use their fists and feet and knows right. how to use them well can can kill or gravely injure a lot of people. Right, but I'm still saying that, you know, inflammatory speech is just as dangerous as a firearm. We've seen that throughout history. Right, exactly. So... You know, the pen is mightier than the sword. Somebody Always. said that once. Yeah, somebody, somebody said, said that once. <laughs> yeah, but but you know the the First Amendment is sacrosanct. But and well, maybe not anymore though, is it? Because there's hate speech. Yeah. So who decides what what speech is hate speech? So this is this is you know this is kind of the erosion of our constitutional rights. Don't even get me started on red flag laws, okay? You know, I, I talked about that at Guns Rights Policy Conference. I, you, know, you know what, John? I listened to that interview. I think you were on with Tom Gresham, right? Right, right. I was on with Tom, yep. And you identified eight different constitutional amendments that that violates, right? Exactly. Yeah. I would encourage people to go find that. Maybe I'll I'll try to find it and put a link in the show notes. Right. Um, because and the, you... text, the text is actually written up um, at DRGO. Dot US. Oh, it so is. Okay. Re- yeah, you can actually read the text of my speech. Ah, okay. Drgo.us. Right. And I'll try to find the gun talk episode where you were on there talking about that. Okay. Um, it's amazing. You blew my mind. I I would have guessed maybe two or three amendments it would have violated, but not eight. No, but we can go down the list. First Amendment. So all you have to do is post the wrong thing on Facebook. Yeah. And and somebody drops a red flag on you. Right? Wasn't wasn't there wasn't there a, a guy that was a crossing guard who was, you know, was talking about the fact that, you know, the the, the security in the in the uh, school wasn't very good. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, somebody dropped a red flag on him, and he got all of his guns taken away. And he was a military veteran. He was like in his 80s. Yeah. Like 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 he's going to be the guy that goes around shooting people in the school. No way. He so, was a school crossing guard. So there's an example of a First Amendment violation. Okay. Right. Second Amendment. That's, that's pretty self-explanatory. Okay. We skip over the Third Amendment, although I've actually heard, you know, people can talk about the Third Amendment is the one that talks about quartering soldiers in a time, in a, you know, in time of peace. Right. Okay. But really, when you think about it, it's 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 your it's your castle doctrine. It's your your home is your castle. Mm-hmm. Right. So when they come to take your stuff away, some people would argue maybe even the Third Amendment's violated. I didn't include that in my eight. But uh, but since then I've heard that and you know okay yeah that's kind of borderline it may be stretched a little bit but okay it makes some sense okay Fourth Amendment is uh, you know is the uh, uh, securing your papers and 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 stuff without due process of law by you right. know uh, but but also there's a lot of other things that go along with that you know there there has to be a um, uh, uh, what do you call it? A probable uh, cause, right? Well, not only a pro- probable cause, but like a uh, like a, de- a sworn deposition. Okay. Of, you know, 
Okay. And also, what is what is to be to be searched for and to be seized? All right. So so that's the Fourth Amendment. Okay. Fifth Amendment is it talks about uh, unusual punishment. All right. Okay. And so so if you had get your stuff seized and taken away, and now you have to spend ten to twenty thousand dollars on an attorney to get your rights back. That's excessive. Even though you even though you didn't commit a crime, yeah, you've had your property seized. Okay, so so that's another one. Um, that's excessive. Yeah, that's excessive. So um, let's see. Let me pull up because I I can't even remember. It's been so so long since I uh, wrote this. The Sixth Amendment has to do with. Uh, Oh darn it! I can't remember. But I'm it, getting old. That's okay. Was the sixth one of them that you? Yeah. Cited? Oh yes. Yeah. Here. Let's see. Okay. Let's see. Hang on. That's not it. Unfortunately, I have a lot of DRGO papers open on my phone. Uh, I know the Seventh Amendment. Let's skip to the Seventh Amendment. The Seventh okay. Amendment. Oh, I remember what it is. Sixth Amendment talks about trial by jury and to be able to. Um, to be able to, to uh, face your accuser and to cross-examine them, and also to have um, representation of of counsel. Okay. Okay. But that's only in criminal proceedings. That doesn't. And this is a civil proceeding, so you don't even get an attorney to to uh, to protect your rights. And the other thing that's that's bad about these red flag laws is that. You are guilty until pr- you prove yourself innocent. So it turns the innocent until proven guilty on its head. Turns that upside down. It does. And so you have to you have to spend all kinds of money to to get your get your name cleared. And you know, and a lot of these laws are written so that the person who who uh, you know throws the red flag, even if they they do it falsely or with malice, they're protected. Yeah, there, there's no there's no way you can you can uh, get damages from them, so that's so that's okay. So that's the sixth. The seventh amendment has to do with um, with uh, civil damages greater than t- than uh, twenty dollars. Now back in the you know 1781, you know twenty dollars was a lot of money. <laughs> it was a fair amount of money, okay, but but. These red flag things are all done in front of a judge. You don't even have an option for a trial by jury. So that violates the Seventh Amendment. Okay, yeah, because you're denied a jury trial. Okay. Right. Okay, now let me see. I'm still trying to find this paper. Well, that's okay. You, you covered a pretty good amount of them right there. And uh, I'll, I'll find your article, and I'll find the link to the... Uh, to the gun talk episode, and, and of course the Fourteenth Amendment, you know, it just basically. Uh... Okay. Anyway, yeah, we'll, we'll just skip through it. Yeah, that's fine. People get the idea. They get the idea that it violates a whole lot of our constitutional rights. Right, and and you can find it at drgo.us if I can find it. That's okay. <laughs> still... Yeah, I'll find it too. <laughs> okay. um, a few days before I have to post this is uh, still available to me to do some research to get that posted up there. Okay, right. So let's move on. Let's talk about the uh, the tragic incident incident at the Naval Air Station in Pensacola. Yeah, I don't think it's a tragedy. I think it's a travesty. Uh, travesty, good way to put it, it. It's a preventable. It was a preventable uh, negligence on the part of the of the U.S. military. And, and you know, it, it, basically, what happened was a 
um, a, a Saudi Arabian, uh, I think he was a second or first lieutenant in their uh, Air Force, um, bought a firearm yeah. legally in the United States and proceeded at change of watch when everybody was converging on this school building, uh, all the students decided to uh, start shooting people. And the first p three people he shot were the people on the quarter deck, which is kind of the uh, administrative um, ceremonial entrance to the building, basically. And they have an officer and two enlisted guys, and all three of those guys were, were shot and died. And then the rest of them were just wounded. But it, the, the, there was nobody there that was armed. In fact... That's the, the problem right there. Exactly. And... Here's the interesting thing. The the officer of the deck was a uh, academy graduate, Naval Academy graduate. He was captain of their rifle team and was on the rifle team for four years and was a firearms instructor. And he's not allowed to have a firearm. That's right. So well, a guy with that those kind of creds was denied the ability to to protect himself and his and his those under his command, basically, because the guys on that quarter deck are on his, under his command. Yeah, you know, this it, this is just an absolute ridiculous rule that the military has. Why why is it? Why why do they have this in place? It's risk aversion. Okay, because if if uh, somebody has a negligent discharge while they're while they're on the the, the base or the post, um, the commanding officer is is the one that's held responsible. However, when there's a massacre on the post, is that same commanding officer res held responsible? No. You know, and, and the reason is because this is promulgated as policy by the by the chain of command. Now, back in 2015, we I don't know if, if people remember, but in Chattanooga, Tennessee, we had a jihadist you know, shoot up a bunch of people at the at the recruiting station and then went to the reserve center and, and started shooting more people. Yes, I remember. Okay. Right, and I actually wrote something about that at drgo.us too. It's called When Will They Ever Learn? And and I go over the history of all these other shootings that happen in recruiting places. And also, you know, we talk about, you know, Fort Hood and Major uh, Nadal Hassan. Uh, yeah. Even though there was all kinds of red flags on this guy, he was communicating with with uh, uh, jihadi imams, you know, because of political correctness, that was ignored, even though the guy was 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 basically sending out all the signals. Okay, mm -hmm. and even after all these events, has anything really changed? No, no, it hasn't. Okay, so what we need to do is we need to call upon the president because he is the commander-in-chief and he can promulgate a directive through the through the secretary of defense that that gets rid of this guns-free policy and let's start arming up you know all all the uh the officers and the uh, senior enlisted people anybody who's on a, on a watch should be armed with a sidearm now let's get people trained up and using the sidearm because a lot of military organizations are not um, really great with with uh, handguns. They're more long gun people. You look at the army. You know, most of those guys are they're shooting M4s. They're not shooting, you know, pistols. Right. Right. All right. So have some guys. You know, if you're if you're standing watch, <laughs> give them an M4. These guys are supposed to know how to use these these firearms, and give them clear directions as far as 
you know, when they should and should not use firearms. Well, the first step is giving them an arm, giving them a firearm, letting them be armed. uh, And give them ammunition. Because remember what happened in Beirut. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, these guys had firearms, but they had no ammunition to put in them. (laughs) They had had clubs. That's all they had. Right. So... So this this insanity goes back to the 1980s, okay? It's, it's, it's all this risk averse stuff, you know? They don't they don't trust their enlisted people. Well, guess what? You better trust your enlisted people because those are the ones that are fighting the war. And we've we you know how many years have we been fighting wars now? You know, we've been in Afghanistan for what 18 years? Yeah, at least that. Okay, so how many generations of 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 uh, guys have actually have true combat experience and and why are we not you know taking advantage of those people's experience and you know those guys a lot of those guys are now senior enlisted and they can you know they can pass along their knowledge to their junior people um it just doesn't make sense anymore we are we've been at war and this is all this is an act of war i don't care you know whether the saudi government was was behind it or not but you know when a military member uh, you know, starts killing um, military members of an of a uh, you know another uh, country on their base in their on their home soil. That's definitely an act of war. Right. So you know whether whether it's it's sanctioned by the Saudi government or not. And frankly, we have to also look at why are we training people on our soil? They we can train them on their soil. Yeah, wasn't this uh, wasn't this a Saudi aviation student? Right, exactly. Yeah. And why? So why is this Saudi? Why was he here getting training here? Right. That's that's the question. You know, because that's this is where we train our people. Uh, NAS Pensacola is is aviation training for uh, the Navy and the Coast Guard. Yeah. Okay, so that's where everybody who learns how to fly uh, starts off at NAS Pensacola. Um, I've been there. Uh, when I was a, a, a an intern, uh, you know, they were trying to uh, recruit people to become flight surgeons out of my internship class. And so you okay. spend time at NAS Pensacola, then they take you over to uh, Panama City to talk to you about the diving medicine program. And so uh, it was kind of a, you know, uh, four or five days that they, they took us out there and all the interns from all the, the uh, naval hospitals went there. I don't know whether they're still doing that now, but, you know, that was, you know, 30 years ago. I don't know. Well, I just want to point out again how ridiculous this risk aversion um, strategy is. Because in, in such a great effort to avoid risk, they're costing lives. Right? What, what kind of sense does that make? I mean, yeah. that's just ridiculous. And now and now people people who wish to enact acts of terror like this guy did, they're recognizing that the uh, the men and women on, on military bases are soft targets. Right, they're sitting ducks. And yeah. then, you know, they, they also had that other one where there was an armed security guard at Pearl Harbor who went off the deep end. He, I guess he was facing some disciplinary stuff, and he started shooting people. Again, nobody there to be able to, to shoot back and stop this guy. If, you know, if people were armed, these things would be very short-lived. They would be over in seconds rather than, uh, in the case of Panama City, I mean, above uh, Pensacola, it was 10 minutes before the civilian sheriff's department guys got on base 
to stop this guy. And, and it was a civilian sheriff deputy that shot this guy, wasn't it? Correct. Yeah. Correct. In fact, the, the ensign who uh, later succumbed to his five gunshot wounds was able to direct the, uh, p- the police officers and identify who the, the, uh, the killer was so that uh, they can get, the, get it stopped and get the right guy. And here's the other interesting thing. The night before, he, and, he uh, had his buddies over for a dinner and they showed like jihadi movies, you know, mass killing movies. And two of them were sitting in a car outside the, uh, the building and one guy was filming the thing. Wow. And apparently there are some missing students now. Um, some some Saudi, so they're they're out on the they're out on the lam somewhere. So there's some more jihadists um, running around out there now, mixed up with amongst everybody else. Well, and for people who may not realize it and pay attention to the news much, there's we have a lot of tension going on right now with the Saudi government as well. You know, and not not that this is this was Saudi government sponsored. We don't know that, but it sure doesn't help the situation at all either. No, it doesn't. In fact, uh, you know, a lot of the jihadis probably are not too thrilled with the Saudi royal family, and it, it would they would not uh, be unhappy if the if that fam the royal family fell, because then you know they can get their theocracy, and that's really what they're out looking to that's do. That's what they're after. Well, so, it all but it all goes back to this is a gun-free zone, and right. these things seem to almost always not not a hundred percent of the time. But the vast majority of the time, these things are happening in gun-free zones. Right. And so, which I know is a real hot topic for you and, and of course, for me. So what do you think, John? What is it going to take, do you think, for the military to change their policy? I think it's, it's going to have to come from the top down. Yeah. And, and that's why I say that we need to communicate with the president's office. And we need to respectfully request that he... Re-examine the policy of gun-free zones and military bases, and start arming our our military members so that they can protect themselves from from these things. You know, I mean, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. How many times is this now? Ten? At least, yeah. And you're yeah. right. You're right. I mean, the president is the commander in chief. He's the top dog. So right. that's it's it needs to start there. So All it takes is, is a is a is a presidential order. He's the commander-in-chief, you know, uh, all military bases are no longer gun-free zones. Uh, commanders are to, you know, uh, screen and equip, uh, you know, their personnel. Um, all watch officers must be armed. Um, you know, senior enlisted people are authorized to carry, you know, either sidearms or um you know, long guns or, you know, concealed or whatever. But, you know, we need to we need to have I mean having open carry is a deterrent, but having people who are concealed is even more of a deterrent. Because nobody because nobody knows who's carrying. So, you know, authorize you know, if anybody who's has a, a concealed carry uh, permit you know in the state should be authorized to carry. Yeah, and I was watching a little bit of stuff on the internet before you and I started this interview about this whole travesty, and I was watching an interview with the family of one of the fallen sailors, 
and it was just really sad. It was hard for me to hold back tears because because the the guy he was so dedicated. He was so absolutely dedicated. The military was his life. He had planned it that way. And all he yep. was doing all he was doing was standing watch and and got gunned down. I mean that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's it's it makes you sick. Yeah. It really it does. does. It's it's sickening and it's and it's it's you know, it's preventable. You know, I remember when I was on the ship, when we were in, in, a, in a port outside of the, the continental United States, our quarter deck guys were, were armed. Mm-hmm. You know, we had armed quarter deck, you know, our, our, our watch was armed because you don't know who's going to come in, you know, try to take over a ship. And, um, you know, even though you had a Marine Corps contingent, by the time, you know, you get those guys scrambled, you know, who knows what kind of damage can be done. You know, and they're not walking around carrying rifles. They have to go to the armory and get the rifles, and then go to wherever the thing is. So there's a there's a built-in delay right there. It's kind of like calling the cops, right? Yeah. By the time the cops get there, it's already over. It's over. It's done. Yeah. These things last, you know, minutes, not not uh, hours. Um, so so yeah, I mean, this is the kind of stuff that just. You know, makes me makes my blood boil. It really does. It makes mine boil too. And my big question here, John, is that if these guys are standing watch, if that's their if that's their job at that time, they're standing watch. Well, if they see something happening, what is it? What exactly are they supposed to do? Yeah, notify somebody. But that's <laughs> if that somebody doesn't have a gun either, and right. they're not anywhere nearby, it's pretty pretty worthless. It's worthless. So they're being given they're being given a useless job. And the reason I say it's useless is because they can't do anything about it if they see something happening. Right. And it's just a purely administrative job with with no, you know. And they're they're risking their lives for the the useless administrative job. Right. Exactly. So so the military basically has made this problem so, so much worse than it it really has to be. And uh, it's it's really no different than any other gun-free zone. Yeah, no, it it is, and it's you know it's. I mean, if you can't trust your your military guys, I mean, if you look at look at uh, you know NAS Pensacola, those are the top three percent of the of the you know young officers in the in the Navy in the in the air you know in the uh, Coast Guard. Uh-huh. Those those guys are the are the cream of the crop, and they don't trust them. So who are you going to trust? You know. We need yeah. to start uh, holding commanders responsible, and we need to, you know, the, and, including the commander in chief. You know, he had a chance to fix this. Uh, he he did something because remember he ran on on fixing this problem. He did, yes, he did. And, and, and so what happened? They did some kind of a half half baked fix. Yeah. Well, it's not working. Let's put it this way. You know, okay, yeah, O five and above, you can you can you can if you have a command, you can authorize people to carry. But who did it? Nobody. Nobody did it. Nobody. And that's nope. that's the problem. That's the problem. So so the compromise, making a deal didn't work. No. Nope. And so now now we got to fix the problem for real. And we you know we're living in a real world with 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 real people who want to really kill people. Um, we're, we've been at war for you know for twenty something years. Yes. You know and and we're still not in a it's not our, the mentality is not there. You know, we're 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 not uh, we're not warriors. Well, you said something just a minute ago, very important. 
Uh, these are real people with real intentions to kill other real people. And the problem is, is so many people have their, their head stuck in the sand. They don't want to admit it. They, they just they don't want to come to terms with the fact that we got an evil world out there right now. And it's probably not going to change anytime soon, if ever. Right. I, I would think that their heads were somewhere other than the sand, but we won't go there. <laughs> well, that's beca- because I have a family-friendly show. I didn't right. use those words. <laughs> that's right. But I was th- as soon as I said they, they, their heads are somewhere, I knew I knew what you meant. <laughs> you know what I meant, didn't you? Yeah. Um, all right. So we've covered that subject. So let's shift gears and uh, let's talk about some guns, which uh, everybody loves to do that listens to this show. Sure. So I recently, I put this up on Facebook, but there's some people that listen to this show that don't follow me on social media. So I recently joined a club called the, the SIG P365 Owners Club. And uh, I resisted this for a long time. And I want to get your thoughts on it, John, but, but I want to tell the listeners what, what happened here, what changed my mind. People might remember about two years ago, I got on YouTube and I recorded two videos when the 365 was first announced at SHOT Show. I think it was SHOT Show 2018, right? I think so. I think so right. almost two years ago. Here it is, December 19, and I think this was in January of 18 when this gun was launched, or pretty close to that. Um, and I, I stated very specifically on YouTube and on, on this podcast that... I was just skeptical about mainly the reliability, uh, not the concept of the P365. Loved the concept, and I, in fact, I, I ran out to a local range here in San Antonio as soon as I I could and rented one and shot it, and uh, I was I was fairly impressed. But I just there were too many people having problems. So what I said on YouTube and what I said on this show is I'm going to wait. And so I did. I waited, and I waited almost two years. And now I now I think it was worth buying because I think Sig now has probably got their act together on this gun. Right. I think they got you know, whatever little bugs were there. I think they've got them fixed. Yeah, uh-huh. they do. They do. Now my initial thoughts when I rented, actually I've rented one twice. My initial thoughts for me anyway it was a little bit too small for my hands. I got wide hands and long fingers. And uh, it, it just kind of swallows up the, the little P365. But I got it anyway because my purpose, I, I see this as kind of a, um, it's the best 9mm that I can actually find in this size. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I mean, the nice thing about it is that the capacity, you know, it, it's it's a 10-round uh, small magazine and you can and there's one that there's one of the magazines has a little finger lip so you, you got enough room to have hang your finger on it right and then they have 12 round magazines and even 15 round magazines now and then with the uh, with the C365 XL you get a little bit more barrel and the standard is the 12 round magazine which gives you plenty of room for your hand now I have the opposite problem that you have Bob and that I have very short fingers mm-hmm. and so the the, the uh, size of that gun is great for me, um, and, and uh, I actually have been carrying the the XL for probably five or six months now. How do you like it? I, I like it. It's it's nice to carry. Uh, I have uh, kind of a Kydex holster, but I've I've done a little modification. I did a little uh, uh, Spencer Keepers uh, 
a foam triangle modification on it. Yeah. And uh, and that that tilts the the butt into my belly and also pads my pubic bone a little bit because that's the one problem with appendix carry when you have a little bit of a spare tire is that it tends to tilt it right into your pubic bone into you know it can be a little uncomfortable when you have to sit for a long period of and time. And and putting that wedge in there really does help. Yes. Right. It, it pads it and, and then it also it it cants the. Uh, or it rotates the, the the holster so that the butt sits up against your belly, yeah. So it's not sticking out. So it actually makes it more concealable. So that's that's really nice. And then uh, when they became available, I ordered a, a Romeo Zero Red Dot. Ah, okay. And that's still uh, a little bit on back order. Uh, Optics Planet tells me that it's going to be mailed on the 18th. So. And, and that's a slick slick deal. I don't know if people realize it, but that Romeo Zero actually has the, re- the rear sight built into it. And so there's two screws underneath the slide that you take the screws out on, on, the, on the barrel side of the slide towards the back. And that plate comes off and it's got the rear sight on it. You put the, put the plate with the Romeo Zero, it already has the rear sight co-witness and built into the back, two screws and you're ready to go. You just have to sight it in. And, and so now you have a, a red dot for your, you know, 3.7 inch pistol. Which yeah, that's a neat concept. Right. And, that's and a real neat concept. Right. And unfortunately, the regular P365 doesn't have that. Yeah, it does. Well, you know what? Uh, this regular P365, I don't think I would want to put a red dot on this thing anyway. It kind of defeats the purpose of having yeah, this it's, it's small. small. Yeah. I mean, this is this is almost the same size Nearly exactly the same size as the um, the Car PM9, which was the first nine millimeter single stack that I ever owned. Right. Uh, except there's ten rounds in this Sig, and there only uh, six plus one in in the Car PM9. Right. And but so it's, that, and that's the revolution. You know, that, that's really the the magazine is what re- really makes that gun. And then and then the other thing is they have the SA the SAS. Uh, version two. Yes. Which, which, if if people haven't seen that, it's interesting. There is no, uh, you know, sights on it, other than this green thing in the back of the slide. Yeah. It's not even on top of the slide. It's on the back of the slide, and you you kind of line it up. It's like circle and circle. When you have it circle and circle, then you know your gun is is uh, is leveled, and then you press the trigger. So it's 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 I I've seen it I have not shot it I I probably need to rent it and go and go shoot a little bit just to play with it to see see what it is, but it's an interesting concept. It is an interesting concept. I'd like to appeal to some listeners that may have shot that to give me some feedback by voicemail or email or Facebook or something because I I had a chance to handle that SAS at the gun show, and. Um, that site is is weird. It was like I'm thinking to myself, this might take way too long for me to actually get this site lined up. Well, I think like anything else, there's a learning curve. Yeah. And I and I think that you have to practice drawing it from you know dry, and just practice get, getting it lined up, just like huh? a red dot. You know, when you first start off with a red dot, you have a hard time finding the red dot because your you you know it's your draw is. Uh, is not used to that. You're used to looking for your front sight and lining up your sights. Well, of course, that also works for the red dot, right? You line up your sights and there's your red dot. Yeah, yeah. I got a question about your your P365 XL. So uh, it's it's already um, it's already milled for a red dot. It's already got the uh, the cutout on the slide. Right. And it's got a plate over the uh, cutout, right? 
Well, that's where your rear sight is attached to. Uh, that's what I was going to ask. So out of the box, your rear sight, it has a rear sight. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, so, so what, it, and that's on that plate. It's on so that plate. So basically okay. what happens, you take the two screws out, that plate that has the rear sight on it comes out. Yeah. The plate with the, uh, with the uh, Romeo Zero and the red, the rear sight on that plate, just two screws and you're ready to go. Okay. And so, so you have a rear sight that you that co-witnesses with your with your front sight and your red dot. Yeah, and that's pretty cool. That's yeah, because no, I I think that took some some thought. Now the downside is that's the only red dot you can put on that pistol, unless somebody uh, you know else uh, makes a plate like that that puts the puts a red dot on it. But like your you know the the other mini red dots you're not going to be able to use with this thing. In fact, even like an RMR is too big because it's such a small gun. Kind of a clever move there by SIG to set it up to where only their red dot fits on it. Well, of course. I mean, <laughs> why not, right? Yeah, why, why not, you know? Yeah. And, and, and those red dots are, are okay, but, you know, they, like any other thing, you can you can break them and they can, they can have issues. I have, actually have two Romeo 1 red dots right now that are uh, getting, getting replaced. They're, they're, again, they're on back order. Yeah. So, and and one one gun I I've probably shot ten thousand rounds through it before it finally gave up the ghost, and the other one was is a fairly new one and it just the screw the adjustment screws weren't working. Remember we were we were trying to sight that in at that at that class with Bob. I mean with Ben. Right with with Ben, yeah, we were. Right, it was it was just shooting low and, and you couldn't adjust it higher. Yep. And so they they were replacing both of those, uh, and you know so you get good service, but you know they're. They're behind on their manufacturing. I think their their stuff is just so popular; it's going out the door so fast. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to give this uh, gun a try and put it through it its paces. It's not going to be in my carry holster until uh, till it's had the thousand round trigger job, and I'm and I'm satisfied with it. But it seems like it's finally now, after a couple of years, uh, worth worth my investment. Yeah, no, I think they're they're pretty good guns. You know, I've gone to 147 green. Uh, defensive rounds and just practice rounds. In this little and, thing you have, and really? They, yep, and they, yeah, it seems to run it quite well. Um, yeah, I, I, I learned that trick from Masada You. <laughs> what he trick? Shoots, what, he shoots 147s out of his pistols whenever he does does his calls, so um, learn from the master. Shoots a little softer. Because yeah, it's a bullet. it does. It does shoot a little bit softer, yeah. My, my only question, though, is if you put 147 grain, uh, duty ammo carry ammo in there with that short of a barrel if you'd get you know the ballistics that you want that'd yeah, be my big not. question you, may you might not, not. You may not but um you know a heavier bullet boom yeah i like it i like it well i'm impressed with how this uh, p365 feels i would say probably that compared to anything else i've tried a glock 43 or a or a shield or a, a car pm9 or an xd uh, not an X. Yeah, I did try an XDS. 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 Uh, I I still think the Sig feels probably the best of all of them. Yeah. No, I, I like the way it feels, and I like the ergonomics, and the trigger's reasonable. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so, hey, listen, I'm you know, I've been carrying it, so, and I shoot it. Yeah. So you're carrying the XL now, um, yeah. and you're carrying it without the red dot till you get your red dot. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, uh, John, that's pretty much what I wanted to to cover in this. But you know, I always like to give my guests the 
the last word or the last you know few minutes. So, what else do you want to cover? Oh, let's see. We can talk about um, some of the training I've done recently. I did a, a, a class with Steve Fisher in South Carolina back in early October. Uh, it was a red dot class on the Friday, and then it was two days of his his uh, defensive pistol class. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would highly recommend uh, him as an instructor. Uh, he's he actually cleaned up my shooting quite a bit, and and this is his first the first thing that you do with him is you go to the 25 yard line and with a B8 target, that's an eight inch black circle, right? Mm-hmm. With like eight, nine, and ten and an X. So it looks like a uh, like a, a bullseye target. You shoot 10 rounds, unlimited time, but you have to shoot 90% score. Okay. And so that tells you whether you can you can do that do that type of shooting on demand. And so if you have to take the uh, the bad guy shot down the supermarket, because let's face it, that's you know. That, that's a possibility if there's an active shooter in a supermarket and you're at one end of the aisle and he's at the other end, you need to be able to m- make the shot. Got to deliver that shot. On demand. And, of course, he does He does a lot of other stuff in his thing. But he, he you know, cleaned up my shooting. Uh, you know, I, I ran my red dot, of course, in the, during the whole thing. And, uh, you know, basically one of the take-homes is this. If you're if you're good with a red dot, it actually makes you a better iron sight shooter too. Interesting. Yeah, because if you're drawing and and acquiring your red dot, you know, consistently, well, when you take the red dot off and your your sights are right there, you're already got your sights on target. Well, as you know, as you learned with me when we took John Payne's red dot uh, right. pistol class. The, the way to find the, the red dot easily is to just look for your sights. Exactly. I never well, knew it, that until I the, took that class. The corollary, you know, the opposite corollary is true. Yeah. If, if you're, if you're, if you're uh, proficient with your red dot, when you go to an iron sight gun with the, you know, the same setup, um, you're, you will be better with your, you know, you'll be better with your iron sights because your gun is already aligned Mm-hmm. When you come out of your holster, just like you, you, it's aligned like with your red dot, like it's so, supposed to be. Right. So I mean, you have to be aligned one way or the other, and it's just a matter of the fine fine tuning at at the end. But you know, his was a, a really good, uh, really good class. In fact, uh, Rob Morse was there. Uh, Bill Frady came for the red dot class. Great, and great. Stay there, but it was like 104 degrees, and you know, poor, 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 or maybe it was 102. But poor Bill almost melted, you know. <laughs> poor guy, you know. Man, he's had his chest cracked, so you have to give him a little break. You know? Yeah. He's on he's on medicines that that don't always uh, adapt well to the heat. Uh, Kevin Dixie was there. I don't know if you know Kevin or not. No, I don't. Weather choice uh, training. He's from St. Louis. Really good guy. He's he's a very impassioned person. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. Uh, and he's a he's a he's a good and a good shot, good shot. And he was wearing black, and I don't understand how he could stand outside. And you know, he always wears black; that's his color. You know, and it was hotter than whatever, but he managed to survive that. And then two weeks after that class, I went up to your 
adopted home state of uh, of, of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. No, that is my home state. That, or your home state of Wisconsin. Yes, Texas okay. is my adopted home state. Okay, I but get But you it. went up to my home state in Wisconsin, and you took MAG-20 instructor. Yes, I did, yeah, the Masada Yub Group instructor class, and that was a three-day class. And um, the first thing you do on that, on that day, the first thing you do is you shoot a quadruple speed call. Uh, for those of you who have um, not done Masada Yub class, he, he, at the end of each MAG-20 class, you do a shooting qualification. Mm-hmm. And that consists of uh, from four yards, weak hand, six rounds from the low ready, and then uh, the strong hand, six, round, six rounds from the holster, and again at four yards. In the single speed, you get eight seconds to do that. right? In the yeah. quadruple speed, you only get two seconds to shoot hmm. six rounds. Right? And then wow. the, the third stage from seven yards is six reload six from the holster and you get 25 seconds to do that that's plenty of time mm-hmm. quadruple speed you get 6.25 seconds to do that again a lot of time pressure you got to you got to there's no wasted effort you know you have to be able to do your reloads quickly and get the get the rounds on target mm-hmm. and then the uh, fourth stage is six cover crouch you reload six high kneel reload six low kneel and that starts from the low ready and, you, and it's from 10 yards, and you get 75 seconds to do that. Quadruple speed is 18.75 seconds. Ooh. Okay. And then the last stage is the six Weaver, six Chapman, six Isosceles, with reloads in between from 15 yards. Single speed is 90 seconds, and quadruple speed is 22 and a half seconds. And you passed all that. Oh, yeah. You are the and, man. Yeah, so and or one and of them to, anyway. You have to shoot at 220, I think, is the is the the passing score, um, for for the quadruple speed. Okay. For and I think it's what 275 for the single speed. So that's one. That's the first thing you do. And then, you know, we did a bunch of a bunch of single speed quals. We did uh, backup gun qualification. We did a revolver qualification. We did a mirror image qualification. Okay. Uh, in fact. On the last day, you know, each of us were were calling the line, and you know, as part of the instructor, you know, thing, and um, all the students were shooting mirror image. So if you think about it, it makes sense because all the students are using their dumb hand. Mm-hmm. So you're so you're, you're you you kind of simulate a student who may not be as facile. So so you you can run into some of the the, the problems that people who are maybe not experienced shooters might run into. And right. so I think that works out pretty well. Interesting stuff. That was fun. And yeah. the bonus the bonus was that Dave Malio, who was the instructor, uh, brought out his uh, 50 BMG Barrett rifle out. Oh, there you go. We were, we were shooting steel at 300 yards with that, and that was a lot of fun. That I, I would like I would, to shoot one of those. Never had a chance yeah. to do that. Yeah, they're... they're uh, the rifle itself weighs about 35 pounds, and then you put a nice scope on top of it, and you have, it's got a 10-round magazine with, you know, 10, 50 BMG rounds in it. So there's there's a fair amount of weight there. Popping steel at 300 yards, huh? Right, yeah. We were, we were on a mat laying prone, so it wasn't too bad. But you pick that rifle up, and it's it's hefty. That's but good it, stuff. That's good yeah, stuff. That was real good. So how many hours of training do you have now? Oh, I think I cracked 1,000. You cracked a thousand. Yep, I 
cracked a thousand. Congratulations. Unbelievable. Yep. That's just unbelievable. Yep. And and this week, uh, Masada Yuba is having their 10th uh, reunion class, and they have a lot of folks out down there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this is my kind of week in the pickle barrel where I'm on call for the weekend, so I couldn't go. But uh, they were, you know, they're shooting quals, and they're also they we're doing first aid. I know that uh, um, uh, William April is there. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Range Master guy, Tom uh, Gibbons. Tom Tom Gibbons and his wife are there, and uh-huh. he was doing a shotgun class. So, and they're doing some night shooting. They were doing, you know, all kinds of stuff. So. It would have been fun to go, and of course, they're, I think they're doing a refresher on the weapons retention and 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 takeaways and um, and Kubaton and things like that. So unfortunately, I couldn't go to that, but I wish I could. That would have been another bunch of uh, credits, but hours. But you know, you can't do everything. Oh darn! You only have a thousand now. What's wrong with you, John? I know you're a slacker. A thousand hours, my goodness. I mean, yep. you know, you got to pick your game up a little bit there, okay? Yeah, that's that's since about 2007, <laughs> and I didn't start training seriously till about 2010. So in nine years, I got a so thousand in nine hours years, out. a thousand rounds, a thousand hours. Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, close to a hundred hours a year. Yep. All right. Well, uh, then keep it up. I mean, that's that's unbelievable. I I've actually lost count how many hours I got in, but uh, it's probably not even half as many as you do. Yeah, I, I started keeping a log just so I can keep track of it because it was, it was getting to a point where I, you know, I mean I've got all the certificates and stuff, but you know, that stuff can get lost, it can get damaged, and off it goes. No one will ever be able to accuse Doctor Adine of lacking training. That's for sure. And I hope I never have to use it. And don't ever have to use it, right? We hope that day never comes, but we want to make sure we're ready if it does. Exactly right. Well, John, thanks a lot. One more time, talk about the websites you're affiliated with. Sure. So, Doctors for Responsible Gun Ownership, the website is drgo.us. And the nice thing about that, there's a lot of resources on there. There's a lot of um, papers uh, talking about what do you do if your doctor asks you if you owned a gun, since that's one of the things we talked about today. Um, also, stuff about hearing protection act and you know suppressors. There's a paper on that. There's a paper on red flag laws. There's, I mean, there's all kinds of good articles. Um, we have lots of good contributors, and we're always looking for more contributors. You know, if you think you have something to say uh, in reference to medicine and and the Second Amendment, you know, join up. Uh, it's, yeah. it's tax deductible and it's like $35. It's not even that much money. Um, and then our two way doc.com is our matching service, which is, uh, completely, uh, secure. Uh, you can, you, you would, you know, it's just a non searchable database. You can't search the doctors. You can't search the patients. Only we can do that and match them up. It's free. And if you're a, if you're a healthcare provider and you want to get involved, it's a chance to get some, some patients. You know, so it's a benefit to you. Plus, they're going to be patients, of people that you like. You know, it's the, yeah, it's they're going to have a common interest with you already. Exactly right. And and the same thing with patients. You know, if you're looking for somebody who's not going to be screening you for gun ownership, you know, then uh, then you want to to sign up for that. And that's uh, 2 a doc dot com. 
Okay, great. John, thanks again. I appreciate it. And, uh, folks, uh, this is uh, Dr. John Adine, and I'm so glad that you uh, gave your time again. Every guest that comes on here and gives their time, I'm so grateful. And time's something that we, that's absolutely we cannot get it back. Money we can get back, time we can't get back. So thank you. I appreciate that. It's my pleasure, as always. Merry Christmas to you and your family, John. Same here. Thanks for joining. Okay, many thanks, Dr. John Adine. Please check out the websites that he's affiliated with, drgo.us, 2adoc.com. Read the articles that we talked about in this interview. Good stuff. And, you know, I cannot believe that, that, that John's put in 1,000 hours of training. Wow, unbelievable. That's just, that's incredible. That That's really a an amazing goal. I mean, because, you know, folks, he does have a full-time job. He is a very well-accomplished, very successful orthopedic, pediatric orthopedic surgeon here in San Antonio, Texas. So to be able to do that and also the thousand hours of training and everything, uh, hats off. I respect him. And John has taken a lot of classes that Ben and I have also taught in the past, almost every one of them. So again, thank you, John, for doing that. John's also a Shooters Club supporter. By the way, if some of you like what we do, what, what, what I do and what Ben Branham does on his show, we kind of have a a joint venture called the Shooters Club. And uh, it's a way that you can support us and get some great value for your money. We have over 80 instructional videos on there. Me and Ben Branham and some live footage from some of our classes and things like that that we've taught. It's very, very good, informative information. So you can do two things. You can educate yourself and you can support the work I do and that Ben does at, uh, at his Modern Self-Protection podcast. Go to ShootersClubMembers.com. ShootersClubMembers.com. It's only $8 per month or $75 per year. You get exclusive content. I recently put an exclusive podcast interview that I did with Spencer Keepers on pure shooting, a little bit different than my last episode. So you get, you get content and information that you don't hear anywhere else. And a lot of good material take advantage of that and don't forget about my amazon store if you're doing some last minute amazon christmas shopping go to handgunworld.com first then go to my store through my website and uh, amazon will also help give me a little extra money for my efforts and then you don't have to spend any extra money doing that how cool is that well merry christmas everybody remember the reason for the season jesus christ died for your sins and and he died because because god loves you and he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life and that's what we celebrate that's what we christians celebrate i know not all of you are christians i get that and if you're not i'm not i'm not thinking anything less of you or saying anything bad of you if you don't share the same beliefs i'm just saying remember that this holiday it is a christian holiday and it is what and the reason why christians celebrate it is to celebrate the birth of our lord and savior and he's also my personal lord and savior so with all of that said folks I hope you have a good, good Merry Christmas and a, and a happy, happy New Year. Spend some real good time with family. That's It's so important during the holidays. Spend some good time with family. Tell somebody that you love them. 
Tell everybody in your family that you love them. They need to hear that from you. Set your differences aside for a while. Even if you've had differences, even if there's a lot of tension, there's things going on, um, show some love. Show some love because they are family. Now, you know, I'm not saying if, if they're abusive that you need to constantly subject yourself to abuse. That's a whole sticky subject there I'm not going to get into. But people sometimes, they just need to know where they stand with you. And if you, and if you love them, say it. Say it. Because words are powerful. And it's, it's the Christmas season. And a new year is coming upon us. And there's a lot of reasons to be positive. We are all very blessed. I've spent the last several years talking about how fortunate I am to still be here after my very, very tough battle with cancer. And, uh, you know, I, I'm so fortunate to still be here, folks. And I trust me, not a day goes by where I don't thank God for that. And I have a new life now that God has blessed me with a new wife and a new family. You know, most of you know I lost my first wife. We were married 23 years. I lost her in 2017. She died from ALS. And God didn't waste too much time, and he blessed me with a uh, a wonderful, wonderful new wife, partner in life, and even some some stepchildren, and so it's just really, really something to to realize that there's there's a purpose, there's a purpose that God has for me, and and I'm living out that purpose right now. There's a purpose for you, folks. So during this holiday season, please remember. Please remember, there are reasons to smile. There are reasons to smile. And if you have just a few friends and or family around you this Christmas season, then there is definitely a reason for you to smile. With that said, folks, thanks for listening to another episode of the Handgun World Podcast. I'm Bob Main. I carry a gun because I can't carry a cop. And remember, evil does not exist in the holster. It exists in the hearts of men and women. Shoot straight. Shoot safe. Read your Bible every day, and I'll talk to you January 1st, 2020. How can people be so blind? Good.